Hey guys, and welcome back to my next episode of Holics. It's Nicole. I hope your holidays were good because it's the day after Christmas. I hope everybody is going to have a bright and happy future in 2021. Hopefully all this COVID crap is gone. So on today's podcast, I will be talking about BTK's first victims, and that was the Otero family. It was not the whole family. It was Joseph, Julie, Joey, and Josephine. And I'll tell you more about that as the podcast goes on. I do want to give you just a little bit of background about the Oteros and how they ended up in Wichita. And I hope you like the podcast. I'm hoping that if you have any comments, you can write me. I will be starting a Facebook and Instagram page so that you can just DM me with any questions or concerns or anything like that. And if I get a fact wrong and you guys know about this case, I feel free, please, to message me. Please don't hesitate to do that. Just don't be rude or mean about it. I am going to warn you that there may be explicit language used and some content may not be good for children, but if they are old enough and you feel it's okay and they want to listen to this podcast, that's fine. I do urge you to listen to BTK Dennis Reader, the very first podcast, so you understand more background about Dennis Reader, because if you don't it's kind of hard to jump in on the second episode. So, on to the Oteros. So, Joseph and Julie Otero, before they were married, they immigrated from Puerto Rico to the U.S. They grew up in New York Spanish Harlem, which every time I read this, I just think of that Carlos Santana song about Spanish Harlem. And I don't want to say it makes me laugh, but it just makes me, like, snicker a little. And not because they're dead, because of the song. They met because they were growing up in the same neighborhood. It's not like, you know, she was in California and he was in New York and they met. No. So, they were living in the same neighborhood and they dated for two years, maybe a little more. And after those two years, they got married And nine months later, they ended up having their first child, Charlie. And then his siblings quickly followed behind him. There was Carmen, Danny, Josephine, and Joseph Jr. Also, I will be referring to him during this podcast as Joey because the dad's name is Joseph so that you're not confused about Joey, Joseph, Joey, which one I'm talking about. Just thought I'd give you a heads up. Joseph was in the Air Force for about 20 years. And then, you know, after 20 years of being somewhere and you think it's okay, you'd want to retire. And he retired as a Master Sergeant, which to me is a great accomplishment. I mean, wow. The family, after he retired from the Air Force, moved to Wichita. His decision for the move there is because at the time in the 70s, you got to remember this is the 70s when this is first going on. 
it was the air capital of the world. A lot of military people were there. There was air bases. So maybe he thought, hmm, even though I'm retired from the Air Force, I can still maybe work on an air base getting work. Or maybe it's just he wanted to learn how to be a pilot or something. He's like, hey, let's go to Wichita. It's the air capital and I can do what I need to do there. Little did he know that that decision would be the worst decision of his life. He didn't know his family was going to be killed when he moved to Wichita. He didn't know he was going to die. It just shows you how fate kind of points you in one direction or the other and you have to choose. And unfortunately, and nothing against the Oteros that are still living and nothing against the family that has died. It just sucks that they moved to Wichita and ended up dying. It's just in the same neighborhood as BTK. Not next door, but it makes you curious. How well do you know your neighbors? How well do you know the person you're living with? How well do you even know yourself? You know, you may hold stuff in that you would never know about. And it comes out in violent ways years down the line. And a lot of people do say that mental illness comes into play in your 20s. So if Dennis Rader had a mental illness, maybe it didn't spike until he was in his 20s. But like I said, I urge you to listen to the very first podcast and you'll understand more about Dennis Rader. When his children were in school, the Oteros, he wanted them to get straight A's and work really hard so that they could do better in life. And I see this in a lot of parents with children. They want them to do better. They always say, I want you to have better things. I want you to do better with your life. I want you to be better than I am. And I heard this growing up too. I mean, my parents never pushed us for exactly straight A's. They did say do your best. But I mean, what parent wouldn't be proud to say my kid's in seventh grade and getting straight A's and is bound hopefully someday to go to this university, a major university. I mean, isn't that what all parents kind of want to say? But that's just me. And... Julie, the mom, was a devoted mother. She was a churchgoer. She never drank. She never got angry, which is really nice. I mean, I wish I had that attribute, but not many of us do. They say you never heard her yell at her kids. You never heard much about her being mean or cruel or anything like that. She was also a brown belt in judo. So I'm wondering if maybe she got most of her anger out in judo. I mean, if you're not yelling and all this, but then when you go to judo, you're like, hi-ya, and yelling and beating up on something. Maybe that's how she did get her anger out. And maybe that's why people thought she was so even-headed. Because you just never know how people get their anger out, I guess. So, Josie was 11. 
people said that she was shy, she was sensitive, she was in sixth grade, she was excelling, she was evenly tempered. They said that she never really yelled either at people. She never really got angry or much of that. I think she got that from watching her mother. Her mother was never angry. Her mother was never yelling. And if you see that growing up, you're going to imitate that. And I think that's really cool that at 11 and you're just about on the cuffs of maturing as they say that she wasn't yelling at people and she was just going through the flow of life she loved what every little girl loved to do she loved playing with barbies she loved to dress up she loved to pretend to put on makeup in front of the vanity Stuff like that, you know, and that just breaks my heart because I remember doing that when I was little. She was very close to her older sister, Carmen, and they did a lot of stuff together. Like they were two peas in a pod. So on January 15th, 1974, Dennis Rader was laid off from whatever job he was at at this time because he bounced around so much. So he was bored, which, yes, that's a great way to find your victims. On board at home, so instead of maybe turning on the TV or going just for a walk around the block or trying to find a new job, he decided to troll through the neighborhoods. Yes, I said trolling because that's what he called it. For someone that he could find and live out his sexual fantasies. Whatever they were at that time. So while he was out trolling, he spotted Julie. And she was just taking her kids to school like a normal day. You know, your mom's dropping this one off at the high school and this one off at the middle school and this one off at the elementary school and he was like hey she looks nice I like the way she looks she's thin she's got brown hair she's beautiful and she has a young daughter what more could I ask for gross I'm just saying that is very fucking disgusting like who thinks of a child like that But I know many people do, and I know it's a mental disorder that you can't break, but it's still disgusting. So he followed them for about two months, and Julie didn't even notice. So my issue here is, when I was growing up, my parents always said, keep your guard up, make sure you know your surroundings, don't trust people too much. But then I realized that was the 90s and this was the 70s where people were more free and they didn't really look around for who was around them and they were friendly. Hi, how you doing? Nothing like today. But I'm wondering if she stepped out of her routine once or if he saw them and goes, oh, her routine is changing would he have still picked this family? I'm not sure if he would have, but they kept the same routine every day. So 
Like I said, he spotted them two months before January 15th. So he was watching them in October, November, around then. And then he decided, huh, I'm going to pick a date. January 15th sounds good to me. He only wanted the daughter and the mom. He didn't want anything to do with the dad, Charlie, even though he didn't know their name, Joey, or Carmen, or Danny. I don't think I mentioned him. Sorry, Danny. So, you know, he's thinking, huh, this is going to be the perfect time. Maybe they're going to be home. Maybe she hasn't left yet. Maybe she did. I don't really know. Um, but on January 15th, he got way more than he bargained for when he went to the home. He was pacing outside. He was really nervous. He decided to cut the phone lines first, but he was still pacing outside of their home. So I'm not really sure if Joey was letting the dog out at this point or the dog was coming in. It's kind of conflicting when you hear it from Dennis. He, you know, doesn't really remember or he'll say the dog was coming out. I mean, the dog was going in because it was inside when I was trying to do this and I told them they had to let their dog out. So, like I said, it's just a little confusing and a little murky there. But either way, the dog was either coming in or going out. And he decided, this is my perfect chance. I'm going to break through the house. Because you see a little kid and you can overtake them. So he must have, I don't know if they had a fenced in yard or not, but I'm assuming so with a dog because I don't think invisible fence was around back then. It might have been, prove me wrong if it was, but I'm not sure. So he followed Joey back inside. This would become his ruse. Not the dog and the kid. But, hey, I'm wanted out of California. I need food, clothing, and a car to get out of town. And then he pulled a gun on the family. He was wearing this old Air Force vest that he had. To me, it's just so ironic that Raider was in the Air Force as well as Joseph. I mean, I'm wondering, in my mind, did they run into each other? Did they ever see each other moving from base to base? I mean, even if you did, do you say, hey, I recognize you, hey, you know, um, you know, hey, old bud, old pal, Joseph, I'm here to kill you and your family. I don't know if they saw each other but still it just makes me wonder like if they did how crazy it is for Dennis to go back into this house and just kill this family just out of pure sexual fantasy because of an old magazine called Detective Weekly that had women tied up bind and tortured And I don't know why, if you're releasing a magazine about detective work, why you would put women on the cover that's tied up in 
bound, but okay. So, in this vest that he was wearing from the Air Force, he kept his quote-unquote kit in it. He had stuff for bondage. He had stuff to gag them. He had ropes. He had his gun in the one of the pockets. And he would also call it the put-them-down kit, quote-unquote. Yes. Like, they were sick animals going to the vet that needed to be euthanized that's kind of what I get from that like he didn't really care who the people were or what they were doing or if they were going to be scared mad sad glad nothing he just was like "Mm, let me put him down and no regard because he wanted to live out his sexual fantasies and it couldn't be just oh I want to tie somebody up and sexually assault them which I don't condone at all and I don't want anybody to think I condone that because I think that is absolutely disgusting but how do you just say oh this is my sexual fantasy of buying torturing and killing people that's where BTK came from bind torture and kill so Let's move on from that. Sorry, that is in my first podcast. I'm just reminding you, please go and listen to it. So, when he broke into the home, he had no mask, he had no disguise. So, he had to kind of move on with the plan. So, he took the family at gunpoint. He ended up putting them into... A bedroom they were all in the same room at this point so first he did Joseph and I think the reason he did the dad first is because if you really think about it they think of the father as the stronger person in the family I'm not saying this that women are not strong please do not think I'm saying that because that's not what I'm saying here but I am saying like Maybe he thought if he took the dad down first, as he put it, that the rest of the family would be easy to do. I'm not sure about that. That's just my feeling of maybe how he felt. But like I said, I'm not trying to put words in anybody's mouth or anything like that. So... He tied up Joseph. He put ties around his hands. And he tied his hands in the back like a cop would arrest you. He bound his feet. But he didn't know that Joseph... I don't know if it was weeks earlier, days earlier. But he had gotten into a car accident and had cracked ribs. So he was complaining that the ties are too tight. And that he's very uncomfortable. So, I don't know if Raider grabbed, because he also says he doesn't remember if it was a pillow, a parka, a t-shirt, whatever. And put it underneath his neck. Yeah, put it underneath his neck to make Joseph more comfortable. Yes, I, I don't know where he got the idea that, hey... I'm going to do this and 
that's going to be fine. It's just sad to me that, you know, he would even do anything like that. But he was also saying, I'm not a bad guy. I'm a really good guy. I never do this. So um, I'm really sorry. And I was really compassionate. I really wanted to know what happened to them. But yet again, you still turn around and kill this family. And I don't want to say cold blood because you never stabbed them. But you strangled this family. Yes, he said he was a good guy and cared for people. Um, I don't see how you would be a good guy if you strangled people, but that's just for me. So, like I said at this point, the whole family is tied up. They're all in one room. He put a bag over Joseph's head and had Julie, Joey, and Josephine watched what he did to the father. So he's quoted as saying, I had never strangled anyone before, so I really didn't know how much pressure you have to put on a person or how long it would take to strangle somebody. Yeah, he didn't know. So he was just kind of fooling around with the idea at this point, which is crazy to me, but okay. So he said that once he put the bag over Joseph's head and he was tied up and mind you he was on the ground he was strangling him in front of his mom and his two kids um he thought because Joseph had passed out at this time he thought he was as he quote said down so he decides okay It's the mother's turn. So. So she's on the bed. And now mind you. She is next to her daughter. Josephine. And. He decides. I'm going to strangle her. And put her down. So. He. Remind you has tied up this family. The dad he thinks is dead, but is really just passed out. The mom passes out, so he goes, oh, she's put down, is in his words. So then Mrs. Otero woke up. And she said to him God have mercy on your soul and please don't kill my my boy don't kill my kids don't kill my kids I cannot imagine as a child watching your parents go through this and they are literally being killed right in front of you so as she's saying please god have mercy on your soul um uh 
um, Mrs. Otero did wake back up from the first being strangled. She was upset with what was going on. She asked me to save her son. So I actually had taken the bag off. She screamed, you killed my boy. You killed my boy. That is what she screamed before. God have mercy on your soul. And he put her down permanently. He strangled her. When he strangled her this time, it was it. She died. The children watched this as it happened. I can't imagine watching this still. And just thinking, I'm next. What the hell? He said it was like he was an executioner. Once he killed one, he had to kill them all. After the parents were dead, he put a bag on Joey's head, sat in a chair, and remind you, Joey is bound. And as he's sitting in this chair, he is watching Joey struggle for his life. And he is just sitting there watching this. And remind you, he has two children of his own. How do you watch two children die? And just think, oh, it's okay, whatever. I'm going to go home to my family. You know, it's kind of like when you're doing your makeup in the morning. And you're putting on your makeup, you put your lipstick on, you grab that towel or tissue or piece of toilet paper or whatever. You blot your lips, you crumble it up, you throw the toilet paper out or whatever. Are you really thinking about what that tissue is doing all day? No. Are you thinking about its feelings? No. Because you don't care. You just care about what you're doing as a serial killer. So, during this time... I don't know if it was between him watching Raider watching Joey die or before his wife had died. It's somewhere in this mixture that Joseph cut, not cut, I'm sorry, chewed a hole in the bag that he had, got an air, tried to get up to save his family. Dennis Rader witnessed this. And he put, he took the plastic bag that he'd bitten off with, he put a shirt, another shirt, a plastic bag, and tied it. And that's how Joseph died. He literally suffocated. I mean, if you think about it, you're breathing in CO2. You're just suffocating. And then once he knew he was down, he decided to then kill Josephine. Josephine was last. And I think why is because this boosted his ego. This was his sexual fantasy. And she was literally screaming to him, you just killed my mom. She asked him, and this, every time I read this, it makes me want to cry because I don't know how somebody does this. So she asked him, 
what was going to happen to her. And he said, quote, well, honey, you're going to be in heaven with the rest of your family, unquote, as he led her to the basement. He also said to the cops after they had caught him that he found the basement to be like a dungeon, kind of torture chamber. So, he said, my encore was just to take her down there and hang her. Down there and hang her, sorry. If she had been dead, I still would have hung her just to hang her he already had the rope in the basement so i think between the dad and the mom going down as he puts it and maybe dying as he puts the bag over joey's head and he's fighting for his life or maybe right after joey had died he decides, okay, let's go put a rope in the basement and let me hang her. So, after she gets there and the rope is around her neck, he wanted to watch her struggle for her life, hanging where her toes just barely touched the ground, which is disgusting. And it gets even worse, people. Can you believe it? It gets even worse. Just for sexual pleasure, he pulled her panties down. And he masturbated. He didn't rape her. He didn't masturbate on her. And this is what disgusts me. The police found semen near her body. But in the 70s, DNA wasn't as big as it is now. And you have to think about it. DNA really didn't come until the 80s. So it's still relatively a new system of identifying somebody. The cops used to use their own saliva and their own semen and blood and other stuff to compare next to somebody else's DNA and they decided to stop doing that because so many people were getting accused of stuff that they never did. So it would be 30 years later this DNA would make Raider plead guilty in his court case. He said that he tried to go through the house and clean it up. He called this the right hand rule from room to room he tried to clean yes he tried to clean up everything in the crime scene not just oh let me pick up my rubber glove or let me pick up that rope he tried to clean up everything so right before Danny, Carmen, and Charles got home, he had left through the front door and drove their car near where he parked his car to a close enough location. 
And he said during this, as he's walking out the front door and stealing their car, I was really on a sexual high. I was just on a scared high as well. I was really nervous, sweating. I had sweat running off of me all over. And I just, you know, had gloves on. I had rubber gloves. And they were full of water and sweat. Disgusting. It was just really my clothes were just soaked in sweat. Very nervous. Not like a master criminal at all this is my first time that I had ever crossed that barrier. So now while he's getting away and he's on this high of everything he did and I guess goes just going back to his family and I don't know how he walked in the door and his wife isn't like what the hell why were you so sweaty go take a shower I mean was his wife not home how did she not pick up on these clues but it it does happen people I mean but still you're nasty and sweaty and disgusting but he also said that in his car he would carry an extra set of clothes and he would either throw out the ones he was wearing or burn them so that hey guess what no one can figure out who did it and there's no dna on him so he would get away with it so like i said as he's going out the front door the kids are coming in the back danny would go into the house first and he really thought that his parents were playing a joke on him And that would kind of be a really sick joke if you decided that you were just going to lay with a plastic bag on your head as your kids got home and then stand up and go, oh, just a joke. So Danny had discovered his mom and dad's body. Carmen was still coming in through the mud room, I guess setting her stuff down, maybe taking her book bag off, taking her shoes off, just getting ready to go in the house. And Charlie was outside. And what struck Charlie is that the dog, Lucky, I know, it's like so ironic his name is Lucky and the family wasn't, but the dog was to get out of being killed. Um, he was outside kind of like talking to the dog. You know, your dog doesn't talk back, but you still talk to them. Hey boy, are you okay? What's going on? Why are you outside? He said, cause the dog was really never outside. The dog would just go out to pee, do his business and come right back inside. So at this time when Charlie is outside, Danny is inside. And like I said, he finds his mother and father. He does not find his two younger siblings because they think they're in the school. They're not out yet. You know, maybe their school gets out later than the other ones or earlier. So Danny runs out of the house and tells Charlie, hey, there's something going on in here. I think my mom and dad are playing a joke on me. It doesn't look like they're really breathing. Why don't you come in here? And he looked and he said that the house was destroyed. His mom never had a house like this. Her house was always picked up and put together and everything had a place. There was nothing that was never put away. 
So he went over and he looked and he found that his parents were dead. I don't know if he checked their pulse or anything like that, but I'm assuming he must have. So he gets on the phone with 911 or the cops because I'm not sure if 911 would be there in the 70s like a dispatch so maybe it just went right to the police and they said you guys have to get out here there's a crime scene my parents are murdered please go to the school and protect my two younger siblings well when the cops got there Charlie Danny and Carmen were transported back to the police station they said that they were sitting at the police station And they said, have you heard anything from my siblings? And here comes a chaplain. So he knew something had gone on. And the cop said, unfortunately, I'm really sorry. Your parents and your siblings are dead. Danny had also said before the cops had gotten there or Charlie, I'm not really sure which one, had said... My father was tied up. His eyes were bulging. His tongue was just about bit off. My mother was on the bed. She didn't even look like my mother. And I looked at my dad. I could smell the death and the fear in the room. When the police got there, I just begged them to protect my younger sisters. So, my younger siblings, not sisters, I'm sorry. So then the cops, like I said, the chaplain there at the police station, chaplain comes in and they said, I'm really sorry, you don't have to worry about that. They were killed also. And that's it. Can you imagine listening and hearing this at 15, probably 14 and 13 or, you know, right around there? That your siblings are dead and this is how you find out. To me, it sounded like the cops really didn't have any sympathy to the kids. But maybe they did. Maybe I'm just reading into this wrong. But I mean, it's just kind of like, hey, I'm sorry. Your younger siblings were killed. Kind of sucks. Later, once Raider was caught, he told the cops, well, when I die, when they die, I'm sorry, not when I die, and when he dies too, I'm sorry. They will help me in my afterlife. Not even thinking you're probably going to be going to hell, dude. Like, you're probably not going to have an afterlife. You should burn in hell. Joey, I'm sorry, Joseph, would be his bodyguard. I guess protecting him from what? I have no idea. Joey would serve as a sexual vantily. Vant, I'm sorry, a sexual partner and would find people that he could still bind and torture in heaven Josie would just be a maid in waiting she would just like hang out at the house I guess and I guess you get a house in heaven I don't know but okay he also said that Julie the mother would bathe him so now not only does he get a house a bodyguard Um, a sexual partner and a maid he's also going to get a bathtub in there so that he can be bathed daily 
which is gross. So he didn't have any remorse for what he did, and he blamed it on Factor X. He thinks that serial killers and people who have these sexual fantasies of binding and torturing and killing or any other ways like that, they were all born with Factor X, which I will discuss in a later podcast, but I did want to get that out there, so it spikes your curiosity about Factor X. So I do want to thank everybody for listening to my podcast. If you're just tuning in, please, I urge you, if you listen through all of this podcast, to listen to the BTK one because that one is shorter, about 20 minutes, and it really does reflect on him a lot. Um, And I want to thank everybody for listening and who's ever just subscribing. I appreciate that. I do want to get my voice out there and this is how I'm going to do it. So I just want everyone to remember, please know your surroundings, keep your guard up and don't just put your trust out on people because you never know who is living next door to you or who you think is going to kill you or not necessarily kill you or take you hostage or just whatever fantasies they come up with. And remember, every person in their lifetime comes across 25 serial killers. And it just depends on if they're in the mood to take you or not. And that just kind of freaks me out because you never know how many active serial killers there are. And if you think about it in your lifetime, 25 you come across and you don't even know it is creepy and scary. So please just remember to be safe, keep your guard up, and just beware of your surroundings and don't give your trust so easily. So on my next podcast, I will be talking about BTK's next victim, which is Nancy Fox. And then that following podcast after Nancy Fox, or I'm not sure if I'm going to put them together yet, is Catherine and Kevin Bright. And one of them survived, but I'm not going to tell you who you have to turn into my next podcast. I want to yet again, thank everybody. I want everybody to have a healthy and happy new year. And let's bring in 2021 with a bang. Not a bang, you like a gun, but like a big... Even if you're home just celebrating, celebrate. And hopefully this COVID nonsense will be gone soon and we can all move on with our lives. Thank you guys. Have a good one. If you have any questions, I will be putting a Facebook page and Instagram page on there. So you can always DM me if I've gotten something wrong in any podcast. Just be nice about it. Thanks guys. Have a good one.